with hints, tips and tradey chat. Grab yourself a brew because it's about to start. This is Women in Trades with Amy the Sparky. Before the show starts, I just quickly wanted to talk to you about Tradeify. Tradeify is a fast-growing job management platform for all busy tradespeople. It's great for managing all sorts of business admin such as quotes, tracking invoices, timesheets and appointments, leaving you more time to focus on other important things. Tradeify have very kindly given me a discount code for my viewers, so check them out by clicking the link in my show description and using discount code AMY50 to get 50% off. Now, let's crack on with this show. Hello and welcome to Women in Trades with Amy the Sparky. Um, today I'm chatting to Lisa Malloy, the author of this wonderful book, which we'll have a look, little look at in a minute. Um, hello. Hello. How are you doing? And thank you. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. I've been trying to um, get you on for a little while. I've, I've um, heard about you through Hayley at um, Cube Lighting. Um, and she said that you were on one of her, that you joined a clubhouse room. I did. I tried to get on there, but I was um, on site, so I, I couldn't get on there. Um, Oh, quickly, sorry, just a side note, any tradie ladies that are listening, um, the Women in Construction Room on a Friday at 1 or 1.30, I think it is, they're, they're always trying, 1 o'clock, they're always trying to get um, ladies on for a chat, um, so if any of you are interested in joining that, I think it's, it's for an hour, an hour and a half, um, drop us a message and I'll let you know how you can get on that, there's some really um interesting conversations going on on there so yeah it'd be it'd be great if other people could um could join in so yeah get in touch um anyway can you um tell us a little bit more about you like your background and what you what you're doing what you've been doing your career so i started off as a trainee quantity surveyor um in civil engineering I was, I went to university one day a week and worked four days a week. So my education and my degree was fully funded by the construction industry. Um, typically, when I first started out, I was doing civil engineering in terms of road jobs, um, drainage, uh, sewage treatment plants. And then eventually I found my way, I did a little bit of real work. And then I found my way into an E&I contractor, um, which was Balfour Beatty, to be fair. Um, and they but they specialised in the E&I arm. And then they sent me working on what I would call large-scale civil engineering projects, um, power stations, wind farms. Wow. And then they put me on a job, which was a, um, it was a deck for a, an oil platform. The oil platform was out in the North Sea, and they were doing a, a sweetening deck to that. So I'd done that in Hartlepool, and then when that was finished, the company who was um, constructing that then asked me to go to Dubai. So that took me to Dubai to do what I would call my first megastructure, which was a huge oil platform, um, a wellhead deck, and um, a utility quarters and a processing section. Um, I'd done that for two years, came in off that, Done a little bit of freelancing work in the UK, again for major engineering projects, I done a Ministry of Defence um, project and then eventually I went back to the Middle East and mm -hmm. done a, um, an FPSO mooring 
a turret to move with the FPSO. And we constructed that in a yard in Abu Dhabi. And then I came in from Abu Dhabi. And when I came in from Abu Dhabi, I went back to being in the Northeast and working for SMEs who do civil engineering works, um, port works, upgrades, um, any sort of small, middle civil engineering type of jobs. Um, And yeah, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. That's so impressive. Honestly, that... You've done some amazing, you've worked on some amazing projects. Like, I, I think I, I have. I've, I've, in, in the career that I've had, I've always been very, very fortunate to um, work with some amazing people, be placed on some like really, really amazing projects that like don't come along every day. Yeah. And when I've been given that opportunity to do that, I've always seized it and I've been fortunate that... Um, I've always been fully supported, not only by colleagues, like it was some really, really amazing engineers, absolutely unbelievable engineers I've had the privilege of working with, as well as commercial people. Um, but then I've also had the support of like my family, like my husband. So when I went to the Middle East the first time round, um, I had a six-month-old baby and um, we mobilised to the Middle East with a six-month-old baby for two years. When I came in from the Middle East after that project, I was five months pregnant and I came back to the UK and we had our second child and then when he was nine months that's when I got the call to go back to Abu Dhabi and again we mobilized again with um, a nine-month-old and my oldest one will have been like not just shy of four so I took two kids back out and um, with my husband the second time and we went for like it was supposed to be six months ended up being there a year um, I had an absolute blast as a family both times. So I've been very, very privileged, I think, in, in my career in the construction industry for sure. That's amazing. And so <clears throat> while you were out there, your husband was looking after your, ch- the, your children? Yes. Yeah. That's so That's when we mobilised, <laughs> I obviously had a big fear of, um, I'd never been, I'd been in the Middle East before on holiday, but I'd never lived there. And then, I don't know, stupidly or not, as a, as a, a new young mother, um, I had a fear that I took the six-month-old baby and I put him in the arms of a childcare that I didn't know. And when I returned from work that day, would he still be there when I, you know, when I went to the nursery to pick him up or whoever he was with? And if yeah. something happened to him, you know, he's six months old, I would never see him again. So I had that fear. Um, and I really, really needed to be able to focus on work so my husband, you know, when I talked to him about it and said, you know, we really want to go as a family, but this is my fear as a new mother that I have a new child and, and I'm very cautious to give him to somebody who we don't know. And he was like, well, that's fine. I'll just stay at home and, and look after him. You know, and we'll just, it's only for two years and it gives us an opportunity to, to do something that that's we would amazing. never, ever have the opportunity to do. Yeah. So up until when you went, <clears throat> you'd been at home with your baby. You'd not gone back to work at up to the six no I, I'd been at home for six months yeah yeah okay um and then the second time you you did the same 
So the second time, um, when I came in from the Middle East, I was five months pregnant and um, the firm who I used to work for phoned up and said, like, look, we need you at the office. Can you do some work? Can you come in and do some work? And I was like, I'm five months pregnant. And they said, yeah, that's fine. Just just come in. So I went in and I worked for them from being five months pregnant until a week before I had our second child. And then I was off for around six months and then I took a phone call off them again and they said, we've got an issue and we've got a dispute. Um, it's a ministry defence job. It's a dispute. We want you to come in and, and help put the dispute together. And I went in and put the dispute together. And um, once that dispute was put together, I kind of went to them and said, right, the dispute's put together now. That's it. You know, my work's done. Yeah. And they said, well, unfortunately, you know, there's nothing else for you. We don't have a permanent position at the moment. Um, and I said, well, that's fine, because the same day I took a phone call where somebody said, will you come to the Middle East, um, Abu Dhabi, for like six months? So I always say, like, I lost a job and gained a job on the same day. That's mad. <laughs> that's really They always say, don't they, when one door closes, another opens. It's so true, I think. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. I can't believe some of the um, some of the things you've worked on. Like, yeah, you've absolutely smashed your career, <laughs> career so far, haven't you? Yeah, but amazing, just like an amazing experience. And what you realise is that um, on a project like that, you're really surrounded by like really, really amazing people. I was just like so fortunate to be surrounded by like amazing engineers, um, amazing construction people who'd, you know, fabricated things in the Northeast for like a lot, a lot of years. You know, they've been trained in the arts, they've been brought up through that, through those apprenticeship schemes, had all the experience in the world. And then I went in the Middle East with those people and they transferred that knowledge to me as to like, you know, how something was built yeah. and, and how it went together. And, and they were just like unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, so when when did the, the book come about? When did you start thinking um, and what was your inspiration behind it? When did you start thinking, oh, this, I want to write this book about this? So when I came back into the UK, um, I started to get involved in um, different organisations. So I became a, a board director of SICA, which is the Civil Engineering Contractors Association in the Northeast. Okay. And SICA is, um, they look at a lot of industry problems, a lot of problems that SMEs face. And part of the problem that they were looking at was the skill shortage. So I started to join some um, skill shortage groups with them and discussions. And when I was going to those discussions, it was just like apparent that as an industry, we've got this like massive skill shortage on our hands and that we're facing now what is actually set to get worse and that there was no way of us getting... Um, well, not no way, but we're struggling to get the intake of um, school leavers or children. So I got a lot of intel from sitting on those groups and everybody was sort of tackling um, senior school and I can completely understand why, because they're obviously the next intake. But then I was also going to other groups where I was a guest speaker for being a women in construction. And a lot of people there were like saying, your children don't have any issue with you being in construction. They don't see it as being a barrier. You know, you've got two boys, you know, and I said, well, well, obviously not. You know, they've travelled the world with me for my job. Um, they see me come in every day and, you know, in a high vis. They see the projects I've worked on. They've regularly been took to a yard. The only way that you're ever going to get over that is to earn more 
mums and dads start talking to their children about construction or when somebody starts talking to children about construction. And then it became apparent that there was like this gap at primary school age where, although we were looking at school leavers, the primary school age kids just weren't getting touched at all. And then I was at the school gates and people would like say to me, oh, you must have gone to um, the Middle East for your husband's job. And I was like, no. I went for mine, I built an oil rig, and they were kind of like, oh my God, what do you do for a living? And then started to ask questions like, well, how can I get my daughter into it? How can I tell my daughter about it? And then I thought, we all try to go into schools um, very admirably. There's lots and lots of people out there that, that really, really fly this black construction and give their time up and go into schools. And there's lots of employers that support them to do that. But I thought in order to try and help a little bit more, we kind of need a product that's en masse where like it can be like say thousands of, of copies can go out and um, you know teachers can read it and they can educate them, children can read it, parents can read it with their children and they're getting educated on career options for their kids. Even construction workers can just go home and read a book with their kids and say yeah. this is what I do when I'm not with you yeah. and I thought the only way to do it is to write a book and I like toyed with the idea for ages and I was like, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book. And then I thought I'll never get published, but I'm just going to do it. And then I just thought I'm going to go for it. And I wrote it and sent it to the publisher. That's my, that's amazing. And it's a lovely book. Um, I was just telling you, wasn't I, before we started, I've sent it to some of our friends and their children and they've absolutely loved it. It's quite um, interactive. There's like lots of questions, um, that you can ask on each page as you as you're going through and yeah it's a really lovely book and you can get it and it's only 5.99 and everybody should buy it please <laughs> um, i donate one to a school <laughs> yeah yeah um how um you've you've got another one hopefully coming out haven't you or you've you've yes publishers now so I've, I've submitted another book to the publishers. So we're just waiting for the, them to accept that. Yeah. And hopefully they'll accept that and we'll get that out into the mainstream market. Okay. I can't wait for that. I'm excited. Um, I mean, it's overwhelming, absolutely overwhelming, like the response that I've had um, and the positivity around it. It's like, it's just unbelievable. Have you been into schools and stuff with your own book and read it? you know, and talk to children about it. Yeah, so off the back of that, um, I then started to engage with schools. Um, it's quite, that's, that is a struggle, is getting into schools, um, because I kind of think the school wants something back from it. Obviously, you know, it's got to fit in with the national curriculum. So what I've done is I wrote four separate STEM days um, that was geared and linked to the national curriculum so that the school could see um, what it achieved in going in. And then I have been into two schools um, and we do a, a session on the construction industry and then we read the book and then the kids do a, um, a construction session where they try to build a bridge and they've got to work out like how long they think it's going to take, how much they think it's going to cost and um, how are they going to do it, all come up with a design. And then at the end, we have like a breakout session where we say, well, was it more expensive or was it cheaper? Yeah. Um, did it take that length of time or did it take you longer? Did the bridge work? So we usually do a load test. And it's just like being absolutely like fab. And then tomorrow, I'm going to an all-girls school tomorrow. 
to um, talk about construction. I'm not going to do your typical STEM day like what I've been doing with the schools. I'm just going in to do a, a chat with them to try and open their mind up to girls being in construction. Yeah, that's amazing. What what sort of response have you are you getting like so far from from you know kids? What what age group is it like right from? So I've done um, a year one group, which is like really young. So there were, like say, five and six. Okay, and yeah. then I've done um, a year five group, okay. which will be around 10, 11. Okay. Um, both groups, <laughs> surprisingly, I mean, even I was just like so surprised. Not a clue. Not a clue about construction. What, what do you mean, like, the um, the different roles in construction? Like, what, what they are, what we do, and... Just nothing at all. They don't associate construction with anything other than building a house. So, like, I had, you know, said to them, how did you arrive here today? Did you come by a car or did you walk? You know, and if you walked, did you come on a footpath? Who's put the footpath in? If you came in a car, did you come over a bridge? Did you go through a tunnel? You know, like, the, who's put the road in? And then you can see them starting to um, to think about things, but initially they just don't think about anything other than building a house. What about, um, did any of them uh, say about their parents being, you know, did, you know, I can imagine, you know, little boys especially saying, oh, my dad's a plumber, my dad's an electrician, because... No, no. And then eventually you'll get one. Like, so I had one little boy and then eventually as the day wore on, he was like, I think my granddad um, has something to do with construction. And I was like, really? <laughs> and then I said, Alex said, go home tonight and ask your granddad what he does. Ask him who he worked for. Ask him what he'd done for a living. Ask him what his job title was. Because yeah. he was like, well, he's retired now, but I'm sure he has had something to do with construction. So like, just mad and then the associate engineers because we have nissan near us the associate every engineer is building cars ah oh, okay yeah so we were like well that's how well, i was like that's a different kind of engineer it's still an engineer but it's just a different kind of engineer you need to start thinking about an engineering construction yeah it's interesting um i'm surprised that they know so little really I mean, never... And even trades, I've tried them with trades. So then I started to say, you know, like, um, who do you think puts the roof on? So then we did have a conversation about houses, like, who do you think puts the roof on the house? And how do you think you get water to the house? And how do you get, like, electricity to the house and lights to go on? And not a clue, not a clue on trades, oh, wow. not a clue on That's plumbers mad. and joiners and not a clue. <laughs> That's mad. I suppose... <clears throat> kids will you know walk past building sites you know and or drive past and you just think of them as uh, people as builders they might know builders or they're builders they're building a house you know they i suppose they don't know the specifics unless you know like my granddad was a plumber and i was very close to him and i think i knew from a really young age that he was a plumber that's what he did he you know put bathrooms in and stuff so I don't know, unless you've got it, you're someone close to you, or just, I suppose I never really thought about it. But when I've discussed this before with other people about how we can get more people going into trades, especially um, young girls, 
um, or, or, or why they're not going into trades. We, we've all said that it's uh, probably that it's not even considered that it's an option for them. That's how I felt. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've said before, like um, going back to going even further back, I'm not talking about like school leaving age, you know, like that would be good doing open days and, you know, actively sort of encouraging girls into, you know, different trades and stuff at that age, but even go younger, which is exactly, you know, what your books are doing to open it, just open it up as an idea, even you know, if you put that thought into, you know, a few girls' heads at that age, it's, I think that's where it really needs to start. I think, I'd, I get. That, you know, they'll think about it, they'll, they'll, you know, it's one of those things you'll fall in love with it and you'll be like, this is what I want to do. I, I think, I was talking to my friend the other day and it's, maybe because you don't see, like, an electrician, for example, as as a person, as something you can do. Whereas, you know, like when you're a kid, a child, or you talk to a child, they always have generally the same, um, when I grow up, I want to be a policeman. You know, my friend's little boy wants to be a policeman. And I think it's because it's like, I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. You know, like it, it's like a person, it's like a well-known, or I want to be a teacher. Yeah. It's because they're seeing them every day and they can associate easily what they typically look like and what they do because you're taught about it from a very young age so you know this is what we need to do with um you know i need to go around school <laughs> with my drill and my tool bag <laughs> but like, you're right because i guess with a, a police officer if you see somebody in a police uniform, they're a police officer. Yeah. If you see somebody in a, a firefighting outfit, they're a firefighter. Yeah. But if you see somebody in a hard hat and a high vis, they're a builder. <laughs> well, they could actually be anything, but they've yeah. got no understanding at all as to whether that person is yeah. a plumber, an electrician, a bricklayer, yeah. an engineer, a quantity surveyor, nothing. There's that's, nothing that's that differentiates yeah. them. That's what I was trying to say, but you got it out much better than me. You know, like when you go to I the think vet, it differentiates them. You know, like kids say, oh, I want to be a vet. They associate, like, that person with doing that job. And that's what I mean. There's no specifics with us. Like, that's, yeah, probably why kids don't know. So going back to this, you know, to sort of open up their minds at a younger age, I think is going to be um, the way forward, I reckon. I still think it's really important at school leaving age you know, like um, when you do all this career stuff at 16 to be, you know, really pushing it and really saying like, this is an option for you. Um, yeah, that'd be great as well. And I find at school leaving <coughs> age that we have a huge skill shortage and there will be an element of children that, and they want to go off and they want to go to college or they want to go to university yeah and full time and that's fine they can go off to college and university and do something that's construction related but then there'll be an element of children just think that's not for me i don't want to go to college and i don't want to go to university i want to go and get a job and i want to earn mm -hmm. and then i always think those are the people that can access an apprenticeship mm -hmm. but we just don't seem to be able to get that that like sort of those few through who don't seem to be able to communicate with them the opportunities that's available and the funding that's available to allow them 
to go and get a trade or a career and that will earn them a decent salary and there will always be a job out there for them because we're always going to construct something or fix something um, and that that's quite a sustainable future for them and they're going to have a good life off the back of that <laughs> and even travel the world if they wanted to or go yeah. anywhere in the UK yeah. and we don't seem to communicate that effectively. There's, a, there's something lost there, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. Um, what about your children then? So, you know, the, the older one will remember living... Um, in the Middle East and stuff, and what 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 do they want to do when they grow up? Do they ever say? Well, so my oldest one wants to be a vet, <laughs> <laughs> okay. but he's like animal mad. Um, and my um, husband's a landscaper, so my youngest one now says, um, "I'd like to have two jobs because I think I would like to be a landscaper and I'd like to be a builder, some sort of builder." Yeah, he's like he's only six, but he's um, I think he just looks at us and thinks that that's a, you know that's what you do. That's a safe bet. Yeah. Oh, but nice. I've got older um, family members, like so. I've got a, a, a nephew who's at school even age who's um, considering engineering, and it's and there was a conversation come up with him. You know, like I want to be an engineer. Okay, that's fine. What type of engineer do you want to be? Trying to be a mechanical engineer, an electrical engineer, a structural engineer, a civil engineer. You know, what type of engineer do you want to be? A design engineer. And then when you say that, it's like, wow. Like, and they just have got no clue all the different avenues that you can go down or all of the different options that's available to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, the next book then, you said, <clears throat> is going to be focusing on trades. Yes. Is that the one that's with the publishers now? Yes. Okay, so all the all the trades have we got electricians in there? Yes, yes. Oh yes, I've got a yeah. I mean the reason that I wrote the next one on trades, it was never my plan to um to write a book on trades because naively I always thought, well, we haven't got an issue with trades. Everybody knows what an electrician is, everybody knows what a joiner is. There must be loads of people um clambering together on apprenticeships and things like that. And even now I'm in construction and naively thought that until I started to sit on these skills groups. And then when this book came out, amount of feedback that I've got from people who were in trade saying, well, we haven't just got a skill shortage for engineers, quantity surveyors and estimators and the likes. We've also got a skill <laughs> shortage on trades and we can't get people through the door and especially girls. So then I thought, OK, well, we'll do a trades one because the reason that I've done the, the, the professional people that I chose to do in this book is because nobody ever really knows what a quantity surveyor is or an engineer or a planner or an estimator. So, I and we have a skill shortage in those areas. So I really wanted to educate people. And yeah. I was just astounded with the feedback on trades, like really yeah. astounded. And then when I went into schools, that just absolutely, um, you know, sealed what what the thoughts were out there that it was absolutely evident that when you got in there the children didn't have a clue at all i'm really surprised by that the more i think about it i'm really because everybody knows a plumber or an electrician or a or a joiner don't they everybody 
Like half, oh, you would see half my mates work in trades, and you know you have jobs. You know you call people out to your house to do yeah. jobs for you, and you'd think that um, you know more. Not all kids, but you know half, half maybe fifty percent of of the kids that you're talking to would know what, what you know what what these what the trades are and what they do. I'm really so. I've spoke to ninety children so far. And yeah. in those 90 children, none of them The older ones. Yeah, not, and none of them in 90 children. That's madness. That is, that's re that is really mad. Yeah. Okay. And, and even I was surprised, like really, really surprised. Which yeah. made me feel quite naive, you know, being in the construction industry, I just took yeah. for granted saying that people, you know, children would know and not a clue. Because yeah. I, I always thought about, you know, like I said, <clears throat> um, you know, kids or teenagers um, just not thinking of it as an option for them. Um, but to not know even what what we do, what the trades are, is, is, is madness. I would assume by the time they get to senior school, yeah. they know what they are. Because I think in the, in the secondary school, they must have some <laughs> sort of conversation with a parent or, you know, an adult where they say, what are you going to be when you grow up or what are you going to be when you leave school? Yeah. And they may talk about different job options and a trade may come up. Yeah. And then I think the last conversation potentially is... Um, yeah, I know that trades exist, but I'm not going to do that. That doesn't appeal to me because they don't know enough um, information around it or roots into it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the problem at that end of the spectrum. At the lower end of the spectrum, with the primary school children, I think just completely oblivious. Yeah. Um. So, in your career so far, have you um? you know, worked with a lot of other females in, you know, in construction or do you not really come across many? No, I haven't worked yeah. with many. So I've been in the construction industry now for 18 years, um, circa. And when I started off, there was like no girls at all. Very, like none, there'd just be me on site. Um, I would say in the last six year so when I went uh, in the last six year that's changed yeah. you're starting to see more yeah um when I went and worked in Dubai there was a female engineer but she was only visiting um and there was a few uh, females in the oil and gas industry when I went to Abu Dhabi there was a female on site um but she wasn't actually construction she was part of the construction team but she was a legal representative so she wasn't even you know like she wasn't like an engineer or a typical construction trade but since i've came back to the uk um i find there's a lot more um, female qs's out there i've seen a couple of female engineers so they're starting to come through yeah. but just not fast enough yeah definitely we need to do more. I don't know what, but we need to do more. I think it's educating them that that it's an option. Um, I'm trying through the likes of like Instagram and stuff like that. You know, I've opened an Instagram account 
um, and probably is very poor at putting information on there that needs to change and um, to try and make them see that yes you can be a girl and yes you can build amazing things yeah. and off the back of that you can have an amazing life like you can have a nice lifestyle you know you are earning money good money that um, gives you a lifestyle that means you will always be able to look after yourself you know yeah. like it, yeah that's the that's very important to get across as well i was talking to um a guy last week um i don't know where these figures came from where this data came from but he told me that um someone had worked out uh the average earnings of someone that someone's average career from leaving school to retirement um for for a woman up for a woman going into the beauty industry and then somebody going into a trade and the potential difference in earnings could be uh, on average about a million pounds through your career uh, so the trades is obviously more well, he, he was work, he was he's working with trades um so yeah there was a, a million pound i don't know he wasn't specific on a trade he just said trades but yeah. he said that they were earning on average a million pounds through throughout their career and that's mad when you hear that and i i tried to sit and think could that be true and yeah it possibly could and i don't think that people or you know young girls well, they would never think about it, would they? They would never consider it as a job for them. They would never think about the potential earnings. No. And, and my view is, like, so I'm probably um, from, like, I'm from a very working class, you know, family background. Um, was it that I would go to university? Probably would have been a struggle for me to go to university. You know, my mum and dad would have had to fund that. They would have found that probably difficult or I would have had to take student loans out. There's a lot of children out there today taking student loans out. There's a lot of people from backgrounds that would never ever think about getting an education and furthering their education, even through like an apprenticeship scheme. So my view is these children, no matter what background they're from, if they want to go to university or can't afford to go to university or want to get a further education <laughs> and they can't afford to do that or they or, you know they can get a trade and an apprenticeship that gives them an education and gives them a job at the end of it and usually those those education those certificates are fully funded by the construction industry yeah so any child can then achieve and go on to have a prosperous career mm. Yeah, pa parents should be really um, encouraging their kids, I think, to go, to go down, to consider that as a route. If I And it's like, it's just, it's an avenue for, for people that, you know, that might think, well, I haven't got an option. I'm never, ever going to get an education. I'm never, ever going to further myself. It's an avenue for people that just think, I don't want to go to university full-time or college full-time. I want to go and do something else. Mm -hmm. An avenue for somebody like me, I wasn't particularly an academic. I did want a degree, but I wasn't an academic. Mm -hmm. um, and I went part-time, fully funded by the construction industry. And I'll say to people now, guys, I came out with a degree plus five years' works experience, zero student debt. You know, and then I went on living in, in, internationally. Like, 
what is there not to love about that? Yeah. You know, you need to sell these benefits to children to educate them that that is possible, that is an option that's open to everybody. Yeah, yeah. I think you're a, you're a perfect um, example of, um, you know, how successful you can be. Um, you know, like you said, you, you know, you weren't maybe the most academic, but you're clearly ambitious um and yeah and you've done you've had a very successful career so far with it and you know i was saying to you earlier you, your book um you know all these amazing things that you've done and projects you've worked on i'd be so proud of that book um even just having your, your name on it and and from the feedback i've i've had from my friends and that i've talked to you about it's it's an amazing thing it's absolutely brilliant and yeah Congratulations, and I can't wait for you. No, thank you so much. I can't wait for your other two to come out. Hopefully, your next one won't be too long. And I'm so grateful as well. You know, I've had um, an overwhelming amount of support. People's bought it. People's donated it to schools, and I guess that's what it's about: is is just donating it to schools, trying to get the word out as much as we can, try to educate children, try to educate parents, try to educate teachers in whatever way that we can. So yes. I'm so grateful for that support. And I just think if it just hits, you know, one child or a few children and opens the world up that them didn't know existed and they go on to have a prosperous life because of, of being in the construction industry, then that's like, that's the box tick. That was the whole point of it. Yeah, 100%. I agree. That's, yeah. Right. I'm going to go because <laughs> I can't stop coughing and my eyes are <laughs> thinking. And, uh, <laughs> and you've been hard at work all day on a construction site. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm actually this tanned or if I just haven't washed my face properly when I got in. <laughs> I'm really dirty still. <laughs> but, um, it's nice and sunny. You've got a nice, uh, you've got a nice colour. It's nice and sunny. I've got a bit, bit of red going on, a bit, bit of tan and... It's because when I recorded with Hayley um, a couple of months back, <laughs> she said, I thought you were half Indian. You're so pale, you're blending in with that wall behind <laughs> <laughs> So now, every time the sun comes out, I'm out there like, tan me, tan me. I know, but you're so lucky because you were just for like a gorgeous, a gorgeous colour. Like, I've got like quite a lot of Indian friends off living in the Middle East and like, yeah. They send me pictures of their kids, and I'm like, oh my god, these kids are just like a type boy, but like the most gorgeous kids <laughs> with them. Like they're just the big brown dewy eyes, and you know, it's just gorgeous. I do love getting a tan because I feel like I can wear less makeup to work and not feel horrendous all day. It makes my teeth look white. The brown, <laughs> <laughs> and um, the only thing is, we've been half Indian. Uh, Gina from York and Daughter, I love that I've said that because she always says, you always say I'm half, you're half Indian, you're half Indian. But anyway, um, I tan really fast, so I can't wear sunglasses for too long because I get really bad. Oh, oh. And also I'm getting, um, you know, like van driver's arm because I always wear this bangle every day. And because I'm on the motorway every day with my arm like that, I'm getting the white, white band and a really tanned arm up to there. Oh, you're so lucky, you're so lucky though. <laughs> You're so lucky to go like a nice colour. <laughs> with tan lines. Not burn. Um, can you tell us your Instagram that you just said that you've set up? Oh, I have. And I'm going to check. <laughs> like, I follow yours, but I think it's your uh, personal Instagram. Have you got another one? 
No, I've only got oh, my personal. Oh, okay. And I just use that. I'm going to start yeah. putting more on. But basically, I'm just using that as like, this is it. Um, any construction picture I can put on there. Yeah. But I'm about to uh, go out onto a, a job um, in the next few weeks. And I think that'll enable us to put a lot of pictures out there. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, show us what what you're um what you're up to. Yeah, I've just only got six photographs at the moment, so I definitely <laughs> need to, I definitely need to do some work on that one. <laughs> well, it's Lisa Malloy anyway. You can find <laughs> find her through my uh, through my Instagram. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for talking to me today, and yeah, I can't wait for your next book to come out. I'll be the I'll be pre ordering it and sending it to all my friends' kids. <laughs> Thanks for having us and keep flying that flag as a, as a girly spark. Keep flying that flag. <laughs> that was Women in Trades with Amy the Sparky. Never miss an episode by subscribing now. Just hit the subscribe button and turn your notifications on.